Kia ora tatu. my name is Samuel Gaskin and welcome to Season 12 of Delving Into Dance. This episode, we dive into diversity and inclusion. What it's really like to come up in the wonderful world of dance in Australia as a person of colour. And I'm joined by the beautiful Yvette Lee and Sophia Lair. Alright, kia ora tato, ko Nati Tufarito, toko iwi, ko Yoruba. In Nigeria, Toko Iwi Hoki, called Samuel Gaskin, Taku Imua. My name is Samuel Gaskin. I'm many things. Um, I'm an artist, I'm a creative, I'm a father. And for a very long time, I was a commercial dancer. And I owe much of my success to our guests today, Miss Yvette Lee, because she was one of the first people to see me, um, to acknowledge my talent, and to give me uh, the opportunities that I needed to get out there and share my talents with the world. And I'm getting emotional um, just speaking about that and, <laughs> and thinking about what might have been if I didn't meet Yvette Lee. So... Uh, I am so happy to have her as our first guest Um, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit about what she does. (laughs) Well, firstly, thank you so much. um, I got emotional when you said that too. That just actually means the world to me um, to hear. Um, Well, my name's Yvette Lee and I um, am Chinese-Australian. Um, and I uh, grew up in the eastern suburbs uh, and have been eastern suburbs of Ringwood and have grown up as uh, I started dancing when I was three years old. And then I, uh, you, uh, you know, studied uh, in commercial dance and then became a commercial dancer uh, and did some musical theatre. And then as my career progressed, I crossed over uh, to choreography and working in both sectors of the industry in commercial dance and in theatre and in live events, which is what I do now. Um, and and just an all-round creative, yeah. uh, which I love. And oh. other to Eddie, my <laughs> Pomeranian. <laughs> Eddie. Let's see how I feel about it. Guys, if you don't know who Eddie is, you need to follow her Instagram. And you will follow her. <laughs> Let it be known. Uh, so I, I would have to say you are without a doubt one of the most creative people I know. Um, you wear so many different hats, uh, which is why I had to get you to introduce yourself because I literally, like, I, yeah, I know I would have been doing you a disservice um, because when I think of the word creative, you are it. Um, and your career is that proof in the pudding. And... I guess I want this podcast series, which I don't even have a name for yet. What should we even call it? It's for delving into dance. Um, But, yeah, let's workshop a name at the end, actually, please. Uh, Okay. I think we'll workshop. (laughs) That'll be good. Um, (laughs) So I guess the reason I wanted to put this podcast together is uh, the climate of the world at the moment. Um, and the Black Lives Matter issue really coming to the forefront uh, for everyone. 
um, the spotlight that's being shone on uh, our industry and the inequities within it. And I was thinking about, okay, cool, what can I do to help? That's where, that's, that's where I go first, always, is, okay, cool, how can I help? What can I do? And I was thinking about myself and little Sam growing up um, and wanting nothing more than to be in entertainment. And I was trying to think about what he wanted and what he needed back then. And what came to me was uh, he needed somebody to look up to who wasn't in America, who wasn't American or, or English or um, in some other faraway land, somebody who was in this country doing the things that I wanted to do here. And so I came up with the idea of, well, I know some amazingly talented people of colour um, who are living the dream and doing it in a big way in Australia. Why don't I chat to them? So that maybe those, you know, little Sam's and little Yvette's watching um, might see this or hear this and be like, oh, hey, they look like me. And they're choreographing on this, this and this, and they've worked on this, this and this. And um, not just the work element, but they're happy. Mm -hmm. um, and they've made their way in. So I just want to have a really honest and real chat about what it was like for you being mm -hmm. um, not only a person of colour, a woman of colour, um, uh, coming up in this industry um, and what were the pros and what were the cons and also who gave you your, um, your opportunities and, and your moments to shine, just like you gave me um, mine. So maybe I'll miss the Elliot flip it and reverse it because I'm like <laughs> word vomiting at the moment. Um, <laughs> so let's start with, I guess, what do you think the, the pros were uh, coming up when you think about your career and, and, and um, getting your first jobs and that type of thing? What were the pros, do you think, to being a, a woman of colour in this business? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess as a whole, I've definitely experienced, as you, both ends of the spectrum. I've mm -hmm. experienced the pros of it and I've experienced the cons. Um, and the pros are, are, are obvious with, uh, you know, when people needed dark skinned people, you know, there wasn't many of us to call upon. Um, yeah. and I guess in, in a sense, while you know, that was an advantage, but it was very rare. Mm. It was very rare that opportunities would come up. Um, the, the biggest pro, I guess the only pros for me, were the people who um, sort of looked beyond what the norm was at the time. Mm. Um, so when I was going through um, my training, in Australia, um, sort of, you know, in the early 2000s, um, there was a commercial dance scene that really catered for white, blue-eyed, blonde-haired females. I know um, the one. I you know the one. Well, you yeah. know the one. And, and, of course, they're amazing and lovely and talented and... But that's what that's what the world looked like, and that's what the the, the Australian commercial dance scene looked like. And I I actually had um, 
this will lead to a pro, but I will talk about the cons that lead to the pro. <laughs> um, however it comes out, my darling. But I really struggled, I think. I mean, I, I worked hard, obviously. My, I always worked hard at dancing. Yeah. Um, but I think I really struggled with a sense of identity early on within the dance community because I actually knew that I was talented. I knew I was, but I wasn't getting the opportunities that the people that didn't look like me got. Yeah. And so I... I it didn't matter how good I got. And actually a lot of, um, a lot of that sort of adversity pushed me to keep working harder, to be a better dancer, because there was a, I guess that there was an element inside me that for a while that thought, you know, it, maybe it's just that you're not good enough. But obviously when I look back, I just didn't look the same. Mm. Um, and I guess the pros of, that time for me when I was first entering the industry were the people that saw past that and didn't hire the norm looking Jason Coleman being one of them. He, he actually gave me my first job as a dancer, like my first real television commercial job at the Logies. Um, And I was working with all of my heroes. I think Andy Holsworth was even a dancer on it and Kelly Akers was a dancer and Carrie Green and all these amazing people. And I was like young and terrified and, um, yeah, that was the first person that had really given me a real opportunity. Mm. Um, and then and then as it got sort of later in my career, it was um, obviously Ross Coleman who who not only saw, uh, gave me opportunities, but he created role, like moments for me. Um, I was just talking to Kirsten King about this recently. In Shout, obviously Shout the Musical, it's about, you know, white Australia. Yeah. And he... Yeah loved Daniel Slater and I so much that he created these sort of ethnic roles within the outcast for us. Um, Yeah. That, you know, weren't written in there. He just created them in the dance moments. And, and so he was a, you know, a great advocate for it as well. So Mm. um, yeah. So I guess in answer to your question, the pro, the pros for me were the people that gave the opportunities where they were scarce. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh my God. Uh, I just got like a little, one of those chill things because, uh, I think for me, like it really hits home that if, uh, Ross Coleman hadn't created those little moments or those little opportunities for you and Slater, shout out to Daniel Slater, who's now DJ Daniel Slater. Um, you know, like what may have happened if he hadn't created those little moments for you guys. When you well, were I mean, there. if he hadn't had, I absolutely would not have had the choreographic career that I've had mm. because I ended up, you know, the, the, the moments that I had with, I actually met Ross, first of all, on Starstruck, a television show that we did. Mm. Um, and it was him that really introduced me to the creative side. I'd, I'd done a few musicals, but um, it was him that really introduced me to the creative side and got me to assist him choreographing. And from that actually led to me being immersed in the, you know, musical theatre community and mm. um, he taught me to everybody and he taught me his methods. And so it was that actually our first musical together was Dusty and then we moved on to Shout and then it just sort of the relationship escalated. But you're absolutely right. If he hadn't have given me that, those opportunities of just writing in roles for a coloured person where there wasn't one written in the script, then, yeah. you know, it, it's, um, that's how, my entire career trajectory changed and I will always thank him for that. 
Mm -hmm. um, with everything I do, everything yeah. that happens, I always credit him for it because he really made the change where mm -hmm. a lot of people wouldn't have taken that chance. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm getting email and it's like the beginning of, of this interview. <laughs> I really am. I'm trying not to cry because um, that's so special. Like it really is. And um, to see what you've uh, done with that opportunity, you know, mm. to see what you've done with that tiny little um, glimmer of someone being like, oh, hey, she's really talented. Uh, this isn't in the show, but we're going to put it there so that she can shine, right? May have seemed like a little thing, but then, and I'll just cry it out because that's how I roll. <laughs> but then to see what you've done with that, it's huge. Like, it's so fucking huge. And so, this is a really good segue into what I want to talk about next because at the moment we're seeing a lot of attention um, and, and press on uh, opportunities missed mm -hmm. to showcase and highlight people of colour within our industry and kids coming up, right? Um, in 2020, it's two, it's freaking 2020. <laughs> and um, we're still seeing cast lists that are all white we're still seeing competition finalists that are all white. Um, and uh, this has been happening for a very long time, but I feel like this year in particular, because of Black Lives Matter and just the, the zeitgeist that is this world at the moment, people are noticing more. Yeah. Um, so, like, for me, like, it's something that I've been acutely aware of, you know, um, my whole time in this industry because, you know, I look like this, but I feel like everyone else is noticing more now too, which is amazing. Um, and, and I feel like that's why it's out there at the moment. Um, and, and we're seeing groundswell with uh, making moves to, to make changes happen. Um, but I would love to know like your take on the situation and how your heart feels when you see another all white cast announced or, you know, another group of finalists who uh, don't have any people who look like us in the mix. When you've been able to take that tiny little opportunity and grow it into, you know, this yeah. massive, you're like, you're an enterprise, you know, you are. Everyone knows Yvette Lee and everyone knows uh, just that you're one of the most creative people in the business. Um, so how does your heart feel when you look at those, um, cast lists or, you know, groups of photos and there's no one who looks like you or me represented there. I mean, I guess it's, it's devastating, isn't it? It's, mm. it's devastating and it's shocking. Um, as you said, that it's 2020, you know, this is the year where we're supposed to be in flying cars and, you know, <laughs> doing things like that. And we still can't put a colored person in a lineup. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of mind blowing. Mm. Um, and I guess that there hasn't been a call to change mm. as, as large as this. So, um, I feel like this is, yeah, 2020 has been such an important year. Um, cause everybody has taken, um, has been forced to take that moment in the pandemic to just sort of sit back and, 
assess what's going on in the world. And there's, you know, there's some major flaws, obviously, that have come up. Um, but it really, it does, it, it saddens me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always been, I mean, growing up as a, a Chinese in Eastern suburbia wasn't common. Um, I think we were the only Chinese family there when my two older sisters were born. There was a few more when I was, uh, when I was there and they formed a, you know, a real click. Um, but I always, you know, you you always feel the difference. Um, and I guess that going back to that story that I was telling you before, just sort of always growing up and, um, in the dance community and wanting to be the same as all of the blonde girls that were getting hired and then realizing that actually realizing that I wasn't the same. That was when I had, I felt like I had the greatest power and that's when everything shifted mm. because when I stopped, when I stopped wanting to be what I thought everyone needed me to be and chose to start becoming who I actually was then I felt like my whole world changed. And from there, when I realized that I wanted to embrace the fact I was Chinese, embrace the fact that I was colored, embrace the fact that I was short, embrace the fact that I danced differently to everybody else. There was all these qualities about me that definitely didn't fit the mold at the time, but were really special about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, my, my whole world changed. I remember, I remember actually the moment, the moment that it, clicked in and I was like wow like all all it's ever been my whole life is actually just being me and I'd been trying to I trying to be all these other people for so long and when I really understood that the power like and actually the secret to the to my universe was just to be wholeheartedly who I was Mm. everything sort of changed and so I guess from there I've I have always had it in my head to um try to give opportunities to people that were not the same as everybody else. Mm. And that's not discriminating against everybody else. It's just that, you know, growing up as a person of color, um, once you have the opportunity to give that to somebody else, like I've always tried, I've always really, really tried and tried to push for it. And so, so the answer to the question is when I see, when I see things like, you know, like, all white casts or all white uh, finalists, it's upsetting and mm-hmm. it's devastating and it feels like, uh, yeah, you feel just, just, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess it's just, you feel a bit helpless because you mm-hmm. wonder when the actual change is going to happen, but now it feels like a change is happening. I'm so happy. Like I'm so happy that, you have touched on actually embracing who you are because um, for me, that has also been the key, I think, to my success. Like, and for so long, I tried to not be who I actually was because when I looked out there, who I actually was wasn't working. Mm. They weren't getting opportunities. So uh, I can remember for the longest time, like trying to be as not black as possible. Yeah, and I know it's right. crazy, but uh, no. it's just what I did because um, 
somewhere along the line, growing up and seeing no representation of myself on television mm-hmm. or on stage or whatever that, wherever I was looking in Australia, I obviously got the idea that, okay, cool. So you need to be something different. Um, and I had the exact same yeah. pattern. You're so right. You, you subconsciously become ashamed of who you are. Mm-hmm. Seeing, you're not seeing uh, re- any replicas of you. Yeah, there's no represent- representation of you there out there. Yeah. Um, and I'm so happy that you brought it up because uh, for me that was also the key to my success. Um, and uh, and that's just say like Sam, like everything that you have done and are currently doing is just mind blowing. You've just done so incredibly well. Oh, I, I really didn't. I did not plan on crying this whole interview. Okay, <laughs> so uh, just let it be known to everyone. Uh, <laughs> I'm a crier at the best of times, but I'm really honoured to be speaking to a dear friend um, uh, about an experience that is so similar. But I don't even think we've actually talked about it. I don't think we have either because also we sort of met at a time that, you know, we were young commercial dancers and, Mm -hmm. you know, we sort of found each other, but it wasn't, we didn't speak about it. We didn't speak about the fact that we were working together because we were racially diverse. We were just working together because we connected creatively and, Mm. you know, yeah. while, while what I was saying before about you know wanting to give people the the opportunities it's not that that was ever a discussion like we sort of and I'm so happy that we found each other because uh let's just say it's been like uh the rest is history you know like I can't imagine not having you in my life um and I can't imagine life without without having met you um and that's work aside too ps mm-hmm. um yeah we've had some crazy times <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh how lucky are we that facebook and instagram etc was not like i'm just looking at, like social media now and like you know everyone who's out there doing their thing and i'm like oh any of those nights are on instagram live that would not <laughs> Anyway, I digress. I digress. And I have um, another couple of questions that I really want to make sure I ask you. Um, uh, Who did you look up to? Because, you know, speaking about, well, uh, seeing representation and and that type of thing, I want to know, like, was there anyone that you could look up to as you were coming up or who kind of you looked at? You're talking about a um, person of colour or are you talking about... A person of colour, like somebody that you saw who you could be like, oh, I, they kind of look like me and I could maybe. Do you know what? In all honesty, I can't, I can't recall mm. not one person. I would always see Chinese ballet dancers mm. and that was, ne- <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> that was not me. And so... Yeah. With what I wanted to do, um, I, you know, with where I wanted my career trajectory to go, mm. 
I didn't see, I never saw anyone look like me, which is why so early on, I just wanted to, you know, not tan my skin and try to be white and, you know, all, all those things that you were talking about. It just, there was nobody that I could look up to in hope of moving into that arena because and I've got to be honest, there still ain't many Chinese people on the television right now. <laughs> That's for sure. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100% real. Well, I have a couple of things to say about that. The first is, um, do you ever stop and think to yourself how incredibly proud you should be of everything you've achieved? Like the career that you have built without having someone who looks like you out there in this country to model that off? Do you ever stop and be like, holy fuck, how did I do that? No, I don't think I have. I definitely wake up being um, grateful and appreciative of the experiences, but yeah. Well, you need to. You need to do that right now. <laughs> Like, because I know, like, for you, it's just what you're doing. But, like, it's, that is, it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible what you you have built um, with no blueprint, you know? If you can't see it, it's very hard to imagine how you're going to be it. So that's such a testament to, A, like, your stubbornness. (laughs) <laughs> your 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 talent and 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 your belief in yourself and fuck you must just have the most amazing parents in the world because yeah. um look you know look what they made um it's so special it's so so special um and i really wanted to ask you that question because um similarly uh i feel like there wasn't really anyone who looked like me per se out there doing the thing. Oh no, there was nobody. And, you know, I think about it and I was like, there was Dion Nuku who like, um, he doesn't look like me, but you know, he's from New Zealand. So that was like, Oh, well, you know, he's from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but he's still very, um, uh, could be white passing uh, if, if he needed to be, or, you know, play a Latino role or whatever, um, you know, something that I, I couldn't be doing with this hair and this nose. <laughs> <laughs> so I do often think about that, you know, um, and uh, I, I had an experience uh, which I've never forgotten um, and that was when I started working a lot um, with you and everyone else and... I became a bit of a, a, a regular um, on the screens and on the stage and that type of thing. I'll never forget, I finished doing Robert Storick's class, which I, I went to religiously. And um, another dancer came up to me, a, a, a white male dancer, and was like, oh, hey, I saw you on the Arias and la, la, la. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't know each other very well, you know. It was just like that after class kind of banter. Um, and, you know, I thought it was just like, you know, giving me some props. Um, and then he said, 
Oh, I wish I had brown skin and an afro. <gasps> and I'll never forget it because it was kind of like, first of all, I was like, did he actually just say that? And mm. then I was like, oh, he did say that. Maybe he's just being nice. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I, you know, when you feel, when somebody says something to you, you feel mm-hmm. the feeling in it. Mm-hmm. And the feeling in it was, you're working because you've got brown skin and an afro. That's, the, that, the insinuation. Yeah, yeah the insinuation. It's wrapped up in a, in a compliment. Yeah, in a compliment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I've never forgotten that because I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and I was like, you know what? Fuck you, actually. Because there is there was nobody who looked like me yeah. out there. Doing or, or I must say, or danced like you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And then... I think that made it even more hurtful. Yeah, of course. I think. And I think about it often, you know, because I'm that type of person, like, um, I, I, I think about things and I like to know where they come from and, um, you know, what makes them bubble away. And I, um, I'm so grateful that I'm also stubborn. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, I was talented um, and, uh, and I'm so happy that I've stayed the course and I've made sure that I'm still out there and I'm still doing the thing because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it's just so important uh, to have that representation out there Yeah. Um, because as we've discussed, we didn't really have it for ourselves. So even this conversation right here and right now, um, I feel like it's powerful, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel it's really powerful and there's so many cool things happening and bubbling away. And my hope is just that, um, when, uh, I'm interviewing, uh, someone else from the next generation, they might have a slightly different experience to talk about. And then the next generation, they might have a slightly different experience to talk about. Mm. Until it's just like, well, we don't even need to talk about that anymore because it's until not. Until it's like folklore that it wasn't happening, you know. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, another question. I want to know uh, two things. Yeah. I want to know what your favourite creative thing is to do at the moment because mm-hmm. you've got so many. And I also want to know who your favourite creative person of colour is to just watch and, like, consume their work and check out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sorry, the first question is... Uh, so, first one is what's your favourite creative thing to do? Because you do so many, right? You do a lot. Yeah, of- the choreography is always going to be at the forefront because it's just... I feel like that is just a part of who I am. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is interesting fact, which is why I can't listen to music at home. <laughs> like all I do once music is on in my house is my brain starts dissecting the song and I start working it all out. And so it's dead silent always in my car and at home and there's never any music being played 
when I'm not working. Oh, how did I not know that about you after all these years? Mm, I can't do it because then you'll find as well that if I'm at someone's house and the music is really prevalent, I'm <laughs> normally wandering off and people are like, oh, come back. <laughs> You know, so that's just going to be a part of me. Yeah. But I love design. Mm-hmm. I, I'm designing a lot at the moment. Um, creatively designing shows, um, sort of just building them from the ground up. And mm. um, yeah, that's what I... I, I I really love doing um, as well because, and that's something that is not physical. That's something that I do on the computer. So Mm. um, yeah. So while the movement part of it is the choreography, I, I love actually someone coming to me with a concept and then, um, you know, I'll spend a couple of weeks putting, you know, sometimes I could 40 or 50 creative piece together for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it's sort of all, all visual, but yeah. Um, okay, favourite creative? Favourite? cover. Doing anything, could be music, it could be, I don't know, dancing, theatre. Aside from you, obviously. <laughs> I've been proving that since 2005. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I really loved working with Ellen Noah. Um, mm. <gasps> I did Carolina Change with her um, at the Hayes last year. Um, and just watching her work, mm. quite fascinating. I find her, yeah, I find her really, um, aside from being talented, just I find her a really interesting person as well. Um, oh, she's so amazing. Um incredible oh incredible i did hairspray with her oh of course yeah yeah and so we got you know we got quite tired on that show and i just like oh like she just has such a a sense of humbleness to her yeah and um to talk to her watch what she does on stage it's like Mm. But it's that humbleness. It's like it's like something else takes over when she gets on stage. It's this thing from within that is just quite phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, mm. Um, I'll never forget actually on hair. Uh, yeah, it was on hairspray. Um, I think it was actually her. I think it was her father. Somebody in her immediate family passed away, um, and she. Uh, was obviously off for, I think it was maybe a day or two days. Um, and straight away, I instantly was like, oh, my God, what, you know, what is that all like? Um, because I just noticed her energy was missing. And then somebody told me what had happened. And she came back to work and just continued on uh in the most beautiful way. And I think this is also another awesome segue uh, into another one of the questions I want to ask you because there's very much um, this show must go on uh, mentality in our business because there's no, like, we don't get sick days or um, mental health days, really, uh, especially when you're running your own thing. Um, and I know you lost your beautiful dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to cry again. 
And like, you had to get right back in there and work again as well, right? I did, yeah. So how the fuck do you do that? Like, how, how did you do that? Well, um, yeah, I needed to go. He passed away and then a few weeks later we started in the Heights rehearsals. Yeah, that's right. And it was, um, I guess it's part of that thing that's ingrained in us, isn't it, as performers, that it's like you just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. Um, that cast was particularly warming and mm. very, very helpful. Mm. Um, and that show, you know, also touches on loss and mm. grief and... Um, yeah, there was, while it was, while it was really difficult to, to be back at work, I felt like that company actually really pulled me through that time. Yeah. Um, whether they know it or not, they did know it because they knew exactly what had happened. And especially those, those specific, um, Abuela scenes in, uh, in the Heights when she passes away, that was like, those days for me were the hardest. Yeah. Mm. um but yeah that company just helped me and but I think that there is like you know you you just get taught in this industry that you can't stop and you've got to keep going and I actually don't think that's right no it's not I don't I think that that uh that's something else that needs to change yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's absolutely not right and I think actually that's why um we have I mean, the statistics with mental health in our industry are not good. Um, and I think that's a big reason behind it is that like when you get a job or when you're working, it's just like this unspoken law that you go on and you do your job and you perform or choreograph or direct or whatever it is you're supposed to be doing regardless um, mm -hmm. because you should be grateful that you've got that job. And don't get me wrong, like, um, I'm always grateful when I've got a job, but I just um, feel like that is another avenue of change which um, really needs to be looked at a little more closer. Um, I 1 million percent agree. Mm. Made, yeah. I mean, I, I, I look back on my my life and my career mm. and there's many many times that I really needed to take some time and I didn't yeah and it's a it has been of detriment and yeah. so I think that yeah that's something I would absolutely advocate for mm. um people need mental health days and people need time to grieve mm. and um people just need time for themselves whatever situation they're going through yeah um if things are unstable in your mind, then they're going to be unstable in your life. So, mm. you know, I think that everyone need, deserves the, to take the time without feeling like they're letting an industry down. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And the cool thing is I feel like we're advocating for that right now, just by speaking about it. Mm. Um, I've got one more question uh, oh, and I can see Sophia Lariah has popped up as well. So I'm just going to text her and say, um, we'll be another five minutes and then I'm going to hit you with the last question. Um, and we'll be good to go. 
I'm pissed. I'm freaking loving this conversation. Yeah, so am I. Um, yeah, it's been so awesome. And um, uh, I'm so grateful for your, your openness and your, um, your, your knowledge. You know, you're just like, you're, you're, you're an oracle, I feel. You're one of the oracles in our, in our business and in our industry. Um, and because you're an oracle, this last question, I think, is a brilliant question to finish with. And uh, the question is, what advice would you give little of it coming up in the world and in the business or in the whatever it is, um, knowing all the things that you know now? What advice would I give? The advice I would give is to just embrace embrace who you are and don't try to fit into a mold mm. that you were never supposed to fit into. And to not, not be frightened of trying and failing, um, just be more frightened of diminishing yourself and regretting things. Um, amazing. I, I, like, uh, I feel like um, that is the perfect place to finish this up. Um, and I hope, well, actually, I don't hope, I know, I know that so many people listening to this or watching this, um, the younger ones coming up and through it, uh, are going to be able to take that advice and run with it and create uh, some really special art with it. Um, so thank you. Thank, thank you for being my you. friends. Thank you for being my guests uh, today. Thank you, so um, thank you for everything you're doing for not only our industry, but our country right now. <laughs> you really are. You're doing incredible things. So thank you. The time you put into it is astounding. I love you. Love you too. Um, and uh, let's have one of these offline with the wine yes. very soon. Yeah. Wine <laughs> and no music. <laughs> no music. Absolutely. No music. <laughs> Love you, G. Love you, Lee. Thank you. Bye. 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 Hi guys. Hi Sam. Uh, my name's Sophia Lyer. I am a dancer, model and slowly getting into the acting stuff. Um, I've been in the industry since about 2012. I grew up in Noosa. I'm from Queensland. I've spent a lot of time in Sydney and Melbourne working. Mm. I, uh, my dad's from Ghana and my mum's from, she's like English Australian. Um, so yeah that's a little bit about me hey uh so first of all i have to say africa represent yeah and is also from <laughs> the motherland my dad's from nigeria Yee. my mom's from new zealand obviously um and i need to fucking apologize first and foremost because i've been saying your name wrong i know i was gonna correct you but i was like i'm just gonna say it when it's time for me to say. Oh, oh, no. 
next time can you please correct me straight away because i'm so that's one of the things i'm so big on is saying people's names properly um especially living in australia i know we're all gonna do it <laughs> so it's layer sophia layer yeah to be honest, I used to, because my dad, I didn't grow up with, with my dad or like with my African family. So I used to say Laria oh. for a long time. Oh. And then like I got into like end of primary school and I was like, oh, it's Sophia Layette. So. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, so first of all, I'm so sorry. But second of all, like that is a beautiful name. Like, yeah. like Layette is like, sounds so much better than Laria or whatever I say. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so fine. Oh, okay. So um, uh, I'm going to start from the very beginning, a very good place to start. Um, I guess the intention for this podcast is for um, everybody to be able to listen to it and, and or see it or, or whatever they do with it, but mostly uh, for young performers of colour to be able to have something to watch and be like, oh, my gosh, they look like me. They're from... Uh, Noosa or wherever it is and, and they're doing good things maybe I can too yeah um, so the first question I want to start with or the first topic of conversation I guess is did you have anyone to to look up to um, in Australia as you were coming up in the industry um, and, and doing your thing as a you know a baby performer uh, beginning to build a career for herself well, in the industry, in Noosa, not really, because it was before Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. So yeah. Beyonce or Christina Milian, and it was always confusing because they had the straight hair. I had curly hair. I straightened my hair, but I was like, damn, I must be the only person on the planet with curly hair because nobody represented their straight hair, um, their curly hair. But then when I moved to Sydney, I mean to Melbourne, and started at PSA, I think one of my biggest inspirations was Morgan Choice because she was like the other kind of, she looked African to me. Um, yeah. yeah. Woman in the industry that I did see and she was oh. doing amazing things and like one of the most incredible dancers I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, she was probably one of my first or biggest inspirations. And then, like other ethnic people, like Jacinta, who went to PSA. Yes. And like Katie McMahon. Yep. Katie Sanchez. Yeah, like anyone kind of ethnic doing their thing and really good at it was really my inspirations. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is really cool because um, I touched on this question uh, with Yvette and um, that's one of the things we were speaking about and she couldn't name anybody. True. She actually couldn't name a single other Asian Australian uh, commercial dancer slashy out there doing the thing when and you know in her generation. And I also couldn't think of uh, anyone else um, really who looked like me specifically. Do you know what I mean? I'm not just talking like any kind of uh, ethnicity or somebody who's um, other than Caucasian, um, like. I couldn't, like, we couldn't name anyone, yeah? So I love that you could name Morgan. Um, Well, Morgan, yeah, she looked like me. um, But that's one. (laughs) I know, crazy. 
<laughs> and you're the next generation, right? You're, you're, you're the next generation um, when we're speaking about generations of uh, performers in Australia and in this industry. So um, I want to touch on that question a, a little bit more. And also because I love that you brought into the mix that you thought you were the only girl out there with curly hair because yeah. the representations you saw like from America or, or wherever, you know, had their hair straightened or, or whatever mm. it is. So my first question is, did you even think about the fact like that the, the, there's only one other person who looks like you out there doing the thing in the industry? I did you ever think about it. I didn't, it didn't, I didn't really think about it, especially through full time because mm. Now that I look back, I was always like the token black girl. So I was always put, no, I don't want to say front center, but I was used for certain um, representations of ethnic culture or whatever. And I, I think people often were like, oh, you're so lucky that you get that. You're so lucky. Like, wow, you're so like, yeah, basically you're lucky or you wouldn't have gotten that because if you weren't black. So it was never like, a traumatic thing or a painful thing until you kind of reach an age of where your prefrontal cortex is fully developed and you're like oh a lot of a lot of things that happened in my life are kind of um are a because I'm black and b because there are weren't any other black people around mm. to fill that role and it's kind of interesting and you kind of question like wait was I actually good or was I actually talented or or am, am I just being used as like a, a chess piece to kind of, mm. yeah. Oh, this, this is so good. And I'm so happy um, that you've gone there with that because uh, first and foremost, I just want to let you know, it's because you're fucking amazing. Not just, oh. <laughs> I, I can remember the first time I saw you dance. I think I must've been in PSA rehearsing something or whatever. <laughs> And I specifically remember looking and being like, who is that girl and where did she come from? Uh, and not because of the way you looked, because of the way you danced. Thanks. But you're fucking amazing. You, the way you move is incredible. And I haven't, I'm still yet to see anything like it. So just to answer your question for you, um, uh, it most definitely is not just because of the way you look, but we're going to get back to that because I, that's like amazing. I just want to let you know that you are one of the most talented people in this country I've ever seen black, white, Asian, uh, like regardless, you are without a doubt one of the most talented people I've ever met or worked with in this country. Oh, thanks, Sam. Now that I've said that, let's Missy Elliott flip it and reverse it to the tokenistic thing. Mm. Because from one token to another, I can tell you, um, for me, uh, I've had that question uh, come up, but I didn't come up with that question myself, right? Because when I was speaking to Yvette just before, I spoke about an experience I had when I, I began to be... Uh, somebody who was on every job, you know, I was doing all the gigs, you know, when you, you know, you become that person you've been waiting for 
to become and you have to say no to jobs. And um, I was in the thick of, you know, being one of the it people and booking jobs. I'll never forget, I um, I just finished Robert Storick's class, which I went to religiously. Um, and, you know, like I was putting my shoes on and getting changed and uh, a male, a white male dancer came up to me and like started chatting away and was like, oh, I saw you on this and that and good job on that. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. Doing the whole just speak at the end of class thing. And then he said, oh, I wish I had brown skin and an afro. And <laughs> it is something that has stuck with me forever because um, so many things happened in that moment, you know, like um, I did the whole, did he actually just say that? And then I was like, uh, is that like supposed to be a compliment? And then I was like, uh, I definitely can feel the feeling underneath what he just said. I'm very intuitive like that. Yeah. And it was not a compliment. It was a, if I had brown hair, and Afro, I'd be getting jobs like you type thing. And when I actually thought about it, there was nobody who looked like me yeah. doing that work until I was there taking up that space. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think to myself, uh, how dare you take that? try to actually try to take uh, that success from me and put it down to the way I looked. Because let yeah. me tell you, if you had brown, brown skin and an afro, you still wouldn't be getting the jobs. <laughs> you work hard. That's what I felt like saying. I did it at the time. I probably would now. Yeah. But um, to have that kind of, you know, underhanded, compliment that's not really be thrown at you it's like it's something that stuck with me for a very long time because I must have only been like what 24 23 and I'm 37 now mm -hmm. so, so um let's talk about tokenism yeah um and your, and your thoughts on it right because like I often feel like I know something's tokenistic when I'm booking, I book the job and I'm doing it or whatever. But then I'm also like, but if I'm not here and I'm not taking up this space, who's going to? And whole conversation that goes on in my mind. And then also there's the money element where I'm like, well, fuck, but I need to pay my rent. So, mm -hmm. um, so I want to know your thoughts on tokenism. Um, and yeah, uh, how it sits with you. I mean, slowly I've been trying to eradicate it out of my mind so it liberates me with whatever I do because otherwise I've just kind of thought about it and I, it's with me whichever job. And I don't want to make like 2020 is a year, everyone's waking up about black issues, but I don't want to make my um, whole career or what I, I don't want to have to always preach, you know what I mean? But in terms of tokenism, like I, I started to really notice it more within the modeling industry. Mm. Because there isn't that, like you, if you get magazines from 2015 to before, there's like one or two black people magazines. So I never thought, I never really thought about modeling that I could do that as a career until it, I needed money. And I was in Sydney and it was like, everyone's doing it. So I'm just going to hop on the bandwagon. Yeah. But then I started to get jobs and I would be in like a room full of white people, blonde, brunette. And I remember one time there was this makeup artist and the stylist was like, 
dressing everybody up and she was like you um to the blonde lady she was like you're like a princess like yep you look very princess very beautiful and looked to me and was like okay you could be like more urban more like funky cool and I was just like wait I don't I don't have like a princess complex but like why do I have to be funky cool and it was kind of like where everybody was placing me or have been placing me within the modeling industry Mm. well it's interesting when you get a chance to see how you're viewed from that sort of perspective but um Mm. yeah I didn't really notice it until I started modeling for real for real yeah uh well can I tell you a story um because uh, I also used to model back in the day um pardon I've seen photos it's funny though like I was I forget what I was talking to the other day oh no I filmed this I was um I had a camera crew at my place we were filming a thing and um uh it was they were doing like a, a look into you know like my day and my life and whatever and they wanted like some photos and all that kind of thing and I pulled out my old book um because they wanted like photos of younger Sam and all that type of thing and as I pulled it out and I started showing them they were filming and I was like oh my god I'm now that old guy who's like I do. I actually used to get <laughs> Yeah, but you get to look back at that and look forward at what you have to look forward to. Yeah, and I do. I love that I've got those books, you know, and, and that I can like, show my kids and that type of thing. But getting back to um, my little story. So back when I started modelling, um, again, it was, well, if that's some extra coins, let's do it type thing. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of been like seen by a scout at this uh, dance thing that I did. And they'll like come in and have a conversation. And I did. And I, I, I went and chatted with them. And they were like, you know, came to sign me and put me on their books. But then another friend was like, oh, you should actually go and see another couple of agencies too, you know, just to see like who you, you know, who you might want to go with and blah, blah, blah. And I remember specifically going into a couple of, you know, you know how there's like the top four or whatever, mm-hmm. and like be with those or, you know, that there's no point type thing. So I remember like going into the other ones and in two in particular, um, I remember being told, oh, yeah, you're great, but we've already got one other. Oh, my God. And that, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you. No, go, go for it. That's how I, I feel it about like dancing mm. and being like a token black girl in dancing is that when like you've got incredible like you've got a little generation of us coming through there's like Shiv and Lola and Vanessa and like all these amazing girls um Crystal and then people try and because there's five there may be like 27 blonde girls but there's five black girls people try and be like oh we've got someone like you or, or try and compare you to each other. Yeah. Or there isn't a path for each and every one of you, which is yeah something that drives me insane. Cause why would you try and tear them apart or yeah. like make people fight? Not that there is any sort of tension, but. No. Oh, it's gross. It's really gross. Cause you know what the other gross thing is? Why can't there just be five beautiful brown dancers killing it for this particular job because let's be honest we know that there's been how many jobs with five beautiful caucasian blonde or brown-haired girls killing it doing their thing 
So why is it so severe to have five black girls doing it? You know, why is that such a like, oh, not sure about that thing, but the other is fine all the time. And I think it is 100% just uh, perception in this country. And uh, I think it's a real reflection of what we're okay with in this country and what we're not okay with. Because you can have one, and that's a new, like, that's still a very new concept, right? You can have one, yeah. but, like, don't even think about having five. That's a bit much. Or if you are having five, obviously it's a very urban project. And could you be a bit more urban in the way you present yourself? Uh, and I just feel like um, I'm so excited that things are changing a little bit but we still got a lot of work to do. Um, uh, A lot, a lot of work. And um, I, like, whilst I'm I'm kind of sad to hear, like, similar stories coming from you as to back in the day when I was there in, in similar rooms, I'm not surprised by it at all. So I think that's a really uh, good segue into my next question with which is um, how do we begin to change that general feeling, you know, like yeah. change that? Well, I think I've been thinking about the same thing as well, because it's it sometimes consumes me, but I think like to use recent in musical theatre examples, I'm not going to talk about it because everyone knows what's going on, but I think it has to be like intergenerational conversations with your friends, with your grandma, with your parents, because we're all talking so much on social media. And I think you have to remember that social media, the way we use it, my age group, isn't the age, isn't the way your age group or my mom or my grandma uses it. So they're going about their day. They're still the people that run the country. They're still the people that talk amongst their friends. But if instead of cancelling everybody out, I think it's more important that we kind of, speak to people in real life, speak to our grandparents, speak to our, I don't know, the lady at the coffee shop, just mm. not be afraid to have these conversations. Because mm. I have a white mom and a black dad and I'm learning so much from each of, each of them and I feel like they're learning things about each other through me. Mm. Um, and it's still a struggle, some of the conversations that we have. Mm. So... I I just know that conversations between Caucasian families or like the Anglo-Saxon race would just, just be skimming the surface, but then be so quick to cancel someone out Mm. what's happening. Um, So yeah, I think just conversations between everybody and in real life, not just on social media. Yeah. I'm so happy that you said that um, because I feel like, um, it's something that in today's climate is so it's often forgotten and I forget it too sometimes, you know, um, especially in uh, these COVID times because I'm working, working, working um, on living my life on Zoom at the moment. Mm-hmm. And like I want like, you know, my half an hour or hour that I've got to myself to just be able to do nothing and switch off and unplug. And often I think unplugging and numbing my brain is going on social media. But far out, kind of be toxic sometimes. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> like, so toxic. 
Um, and I forget that I can actually, I can still have normal conversations with people that are not on social media. I can pick up the phone. Um, I can uh, have my chats when I go to get my coffee or when I'm allowed out for my one hour a day at the moment. And let me tell you, when I think about it, every single interaction that I have that's not on social media, um, especially at the moment, is really positive. And I don't know if that's because in Melbourne, uh, in lockdown, everyone's just happy that they get to interact with another human mm -hmm. um, at the moment. But there's something to be said about that, I think. You know, like, uh, I've had some great chats with just the people who are at my local cafe, right? Um, and sometimes one of my, my favourite things to do is, like, just work into the mix, whatever's going on at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've had some really awesome conversations with people about race, um, like, in weird spaces, like, just at the cafe. But then I've also had some uh, great conversations of late with great friends who, who um, I've been friends with for a long time, but we haven't ever had that really a big discussion of, uh, about race or anything like that. But because of the, the nature of uh, this year, we've actually been there. And one of the things I've heard quite a bit from some of my white friends is, I just don't really know what to say about it and it makes me feel a, a, a bit awkward and I, I don't know if I'm going to say something wrong or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, I think I'm lucky in that I'm the person I am and I'm like, well, you know, let's just talk it out because, like, the fact that we're even talking about it is amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, do you feel like you've been able to have any good conversations uh, this year? With people because of the boss bubble in a way or yeah i mean i've been um i've been in queensland which has been nice and i can't imagine what it what it's like being in melbourne right now yeah uh, i empathize with you but um especially with everything going on i just couldn't i would yeah well done um <laughs> but just talking to basically my family members and the people mm. that love me the most and that I know can handle the tough conversation. Mm. Uh, like my mom and my godmother and my grandma um, mm. and even my friends. I feel like our generation is a lot more um, just raised in a different system. Mm. Not to do with them personally, but the news and the movies and that we consume is so different to what our grandparents have consumed. So fair enough if they think a certain way, but um, uh, yeah, I think the conversations with my family members and it was really beautiful. My mom came home yesterday and she was like, you know, I had a great conversation with a guy yesterday and we're talking about um, black issues or the race thing. She's also doesn't also know where to come forth when bringing up the conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. And I actually told, I was like, told him, I was like, you know, it actually is real. It does matter. And just that little thing from our conversations that we've been having meant so much to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I've had heaps of beautiful messages from my friends and people that have gone to full time with me at PSA and mm. beforehand just being like, hey, sending so much love. Yeah. 
And yeah, but the main thing I think is trying not to take it so personally. Yeah. She's like, I, it's, it gets a little bit traumatic when that happens. So yeah, just being open to people wanting to learn and listen and reading. And I think that is, it's such a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I love like, just cause like we're on the topic of having conversations and social media and all that type of thing. Um, I just want to say I, I love uh, watching your social media because I feel like the way you kind of advocate um, is really beautiful. Like um, when you say something, um, it's powerful because you have clearly thought about it a lot and um, you lead with your heart and you um, put things out there that are going to get people thinking uh, but also questioning as well and looking at their own uh, their own stuff. And I think that's really the only way that we can really see proper change is if people stop pointing the finger at everyone else and, and just look at themselves. Yes. Yeah, and, and look at, okay, cool. So where do I sit with this? And why do I feel some kind of way? And um, do I have unconscious bias and all that type of thing? Um, mm. And, and I love watching you change the world, essentially. That's what you're doing um, <laughs> with your social media. You are. And, um, and there's so many people who will be following your social media who look up, who look up to you, especially because of the generation you are. <laughs> and because, uh, you know, you're, you're out there and you're killing it work-wise. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really important. And I just wanted to say it. Um, and I've got a couple of other questions, uh, and I think like, I don't want to talk about this. Okay. Let's just, uh, let's just, I want to play a game. All right. Yep. This, is called, this is called pros and cons. Okay. Right? Um, so, uh, I'm going to say pro and I want you to just throw a pro out at me uh, to being uh, a person of colour in the industry, per se. Yep. Um, and then if, or if I say con, you know, tell me a con. Okay. Um, and, yeah, and then you could do the same with me. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> so, pro. Um, having curly hair and being able to not change it to impress anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. And book those curly hair commercials. Best believe she does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, con. Uh, <laughs> just, um, one. Yeah, just one. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm going to go along the line of modeling in Korea. People not being educated on how to deal with curly hair and wanting to touch my hair or straighten it or curl it. That's a con. That's definitely a con because <laughs> then I have to explain it to them. And then I like having like a nice experience on set. So mm-hmm. it makes me feel like I'm to fucking brush it out. Yeah. I'm just like, Hey, this is how we, can we, and it's an awkward conversation. You know, you don't want to be that model that tells a hairdresser what to do. There's so yeah. much more skill than you. 
Yeah. Oh, but can I touch your hair? Can I tell you a funny story? So my best friend, like, obviously, whenever we went out, I used to get the same thing. Can I touch your hair? Can I touch your hair? And I used to hate it, right? Because you get to a certain point where that many people who have shoved their paw in your hair with or without permission. Might They're like, can I touch your hair? And you're like, <laughs> you're already touching it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I used to hate it, right? And so my, my best friend, Emma, she's awesome. She's like, nah, fuck this shit. Next time you get your hair cut, I'm going to like collect the curls and I'm going to put it in this little snaplock bag. And then the next <laughs> week that asks to touch your hair, I'm going to pull that out and give it to her. <laughs> Can I just say, we did it one night, we went out, and when people <laughs> asked, she pulled out this little bag, what have they cut off? And I was like, there you go. It's <laughs> so weird, isn't it? It's so weird. And do you know what the funniest thing is, too, that I found about that? Because sometimes I would be so over it, and if someone just like shoved their hand in without asking, I would shove my hand in without asking, and then they'd look at me like, "I know, how dare you?" And I'd be like, "Oh my god, do you not?" I love that you said that one. I love that you said that one. I also wrote a song once, which was called "Don't Touch My Hair." Solange. Thought it. Solange. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Solange copied me. Oh, how dare she? <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, now you throw one at me. Okay. Um, con. Uh, being expected to explain any issue uh, around race or colour because I'm the only black person. Expected. That's it. Yeah, it's like, well, you teach me. It's like I've spent so many years liberating myself. You learn yourself. Yeah, Um, yeah. That one is is a lot, and I struggle with it a lot because um, uh, I often am so outspoken, but I often am so fucking tired. Yeah, needing to be outspoken. and just like everyone else, I have days where I don't want to educate you. Like, you've got a phone, you've got uh, Google, you've got a library probably around the corner. And a like, brain. But, yeah, um, just that expectation, I think, is like, it can be draining. Well, I was thinking about it to, I've thought about it. And um, it's often you're like the only person of colour in a room full of white people. So every time something of um, an issue comes up or something along the lines of race and it's affected you, it's all like a very hard, uh, you have to have really great communication skills to address everybody in the room and tell them all why this affected you, which is something that I think it comes with age mm. like yourself. but it is like I've been in places where I'm like I don't have like the skill set to do this right now all the confidence all the yeah mm. and why the other thing is why should you have to why should you have to be that person you know like um especially too when I think about it it often involves 
like delving into quite a few layers of trauma. Likely, a hundred percent. This is a crazy thing. When this whole, when 2020 went down in March and when everything happened, so many people wanted to, that hadn't ever asked me any questions or didn't even know me, wanted to ask me, hey, what's it, basically what is it like being black in Australia? And I was like, it's such a traumatic question that's going on. Uh, like, why would you ask that question now with yeah. the political climate? It's just, I don't know. You don't even know me. And anyway. <laughs> um, Actually, like, oh, would you, so would you like to just delve into your trauma for a little bit um, mm. for me so that I might be able to um, have more of an opinion on your lived experience and your life? Like, um, I get it. Some people just want to understand and, and um, I'm not taking away from anyone who wants to understand things a little more, but I do encourage you, if you're not a person of colour, if you want to understand things a little more, please try and go out there and do the work yourself to educate yourself first before you start putting the onus on your brown friend or mm -hmm. your brown work colleague or whoever it is who has had to... Um, grow up with and have that lived experience, which often I would actually say almost always involves trauma because uh, let's be honest and real about it. Australia is and has been a, a racist country. Um, you know? Very far behind as well. Built on colonisation, like, like we just need to be real about it. So um, one thing uh, I can implore everyone watching to do is like just make sure you've done a bit of the work yourself before you start putting the burden on uh your brown friend or whoever that friend may be just make sure you've done a little bit of work around it yourself yeah. sorry i went on a tangy there no yeah i, I enjoyed it because i can get a little bit passionate about it and mm. i need to learn and i think that comes with age and wisdom how to speak about it on a more like empathetic level oh i think you're very wise i do Same. i actually do um throw another one at me okay uh pro pro uh i know who all my competition is before i walk in the room <laughs> i know so it's may as well just like look at them and be like you or me bro <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know i just feel like not in a um, uh, what, in a narcissistic way or anything, but I, I, I generally have a very good idea of whether or not I'm going to get this job um, because of the fact that um, there's still a very small pool of um, people who look like me who hold the talents that I hold. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it a little bit easier for me to be like, oh, yeah, that's probably a good one. We'll go do that do you know what i mean yeah, totally i think about it i think it is actually a pro um if i'm going to be real about it 100 and if you're the only one going it's like great not this one <laughs> so back but i am going to go home and i am going to work hard and study too <laughs> yeah yeah okay i'm going to throw one at you um pro Um, 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 oh my gosh, so much pausing. 
I think you can say I don't have another pro because that's just keeping it real. I know. I'm trying to think. Um, I've, I've touched base on being the only one with curly hair and actually being a minority. Um, ah, being able to dance and model something away from race because I feel like dancing helps with modeling. Yeah. Helps with my confidence in dancing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that one. Um, con. Um, I wanted to say being like the only black person in a room full of white people and having to explain yourself, but we already spoke on that. Um, what is a con? I just can't think of one. Okay, I'm going to do one then. Um, makeup. Makeup. Uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to move away from like hair and makeup, but makeup, yes. Con. Makeup. Uh, no, and not all the time, mind you, but like I have had a few experiences in like the hair and makeup chair, which have led me to now, whenever I'm in that chair, the first thing I ask is, Oh, have you ever done makeup on uh, in like mine? You ask them. Yeah, I'm really polite about it though. I'm like, do you speak <laughs> skin? And they're always like, they get into it. They're like, oh girl, or they're like, you know. <laughs> I feel like it lightens the mood a bit, but you know how there's often a few makeup artists um, on the job or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I find that if I throw it into the mix, I often can avoid the awkward me being painted the wrong colour thing. You know those things that happen when somebody hasn't worked with your colour skin before? Mm -hmm. It means that I can avoid that a little bit more Um, and they'll get the the person who does speak chocolate skin to (laughs) 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 do my face. But, oh, my God, yeah, some of the makeup experiences I have had. um, yeah. Yeah. Especially when everybody has the same look and you're like, but this look just is not mine. It's no. (laughs) There's no one else to run to as well. You're like 19, like, but. uh." Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I saw actually, um, uh, do you know Ruva? Yeah, I love Ruva. Yeah, she put the best post up on Instagram the other day um, about, uh, asking for slick low buns and um, oh, yeah. and something else about hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess what she was she was saying, the post was amazing and it's like so witty and you know what she's like. But essentially what she's saying was like racism, racism isn't always like in your face in this industry. But when you think about asking, you know, a person with her hair, and she put a picture of her hair all like that, <laughs> like wake up in the morning, it's like that. <laughs> um, when you think about things like that, and you know, asking a woman of colour to wear a tight, slick, low bun, it's like, yeah, like that's not actually that achievable. And if you do do it, it's like a lot of work, and it. it Kind of like, yeah. Uh, someone tried to braid my hair on set once, and I was, I was, I was so sad about it. It took them like, uh, like two and a half hours to. They just thought they could do it in half an hour. 
They tried to do it. Very sad about it. I didn't say anything because I was young. Um, But I think it just comes with confidence for me anyway. Mm. Okay, but this is a great segue. Confidence, right? Because um, let's be honest, we live and work in an industry that requires a certain amount of confidence, right? Yes. Um, where do you get it from? Like, where do you get it from and how do you um, uh, draw on that skill when you're out there trying to book a job or you're on a job or, or whatever it is? I think my confidence has been copied as a kid from white people, like trying to straighten my hair to look like them or like sometimes a little too entitled white people, but like has come from them and it's changing so much lately. Like then the boom of social media and it came through like from like all this Afro kind of centric and like, um, all these people on Instagram and then my confidence came from them. But then you go in the real world and you're like, Oh, we're all watching different streams of social media. But lately my confidence has come from my mom. She just like, no matter what I tell her or how I'm feeling, I always know that she loves me the most more than anyone in the whole entire world. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like a, not a color issue with us and it's just like be yourself. So lately you're just my mom. Um, Yeah. And I always have really good people around me. Like I was in a re- an amazing relationship the last three years and I, my confidence came from him and like just, yeah, I'm selective with my friends, but they're incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Cause I feel like um, doing what we do is very important to have, like speaking about all these things that you have to deal with in amongst, that industry, I've always found it for me like so important to have a strong group of uh, friends and family that are my support system. Mm-hmm. I often pick people who are far removed from the industry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, like my best friend in the world is like an electrician, and like you know, we went to high school together, and you know, he's a bloke, and but we we love each other, and. Um, He's just, he keeps it real 100 at all times. Mm-hmm. So, um, shout out to Wade. <laughs> uh, and also my best girlfriend, Emma, uh, she's a nurse and we've been friends for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Also I was able to just really like keep it real. And um, I, I love and I appreciate those, oh, yes. those relationships so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because of the weird world that we, you know. It's a superficial industry for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Like, I feel like there's a million things I've forgotten to ask you. But there's one really important one that I want to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, because I spoke about it with Yvette uh, as well. And it's something I'm really passionate about. And that is uh, mental health and well-being. I feel like uh, the world we live in, work in, right? There's like there's no such thing as like sick days or not feeling all right or whatever. It's like the show must go on, you know, mm-hmm. regardless. Um, so I was speaking to a vet about. Um, uh, I remember when her father passed away, and 
um, the reason that came up was because I was thinking about another friend, uh, Eleanor uh, Rockabaro, who um, I did hairspray with, and the conversation just brought it up. And um, we were speaking about how weird it is that it's just expected that you do your work, you know? Like, it's like, you can be feeling shit, your dad could have just died, you could be uh, having whatever it is uh, going on in your life, and we live and work in a world where it's like, well, no, but you just need to do Yes. Um, and the statistics, you know, the mental health statistics for people who live and work in our industry are shocking. So yeah. I don't know, like, your take and your experience with, um, uh, I don't know, mental health and wellbeing in this industry, do you feel like it's supportive or what What do you think about that? I think it goes back to having a really supportive group of friends. Mm. And this industry, it's very superficial. And I think we're, us as humans, we, we see what we like and we kind of are drawn towards it. But I don't think those things are... I think they're quite toxic for us sometimes. Mm. Um, and, yeah, a social media, um, FOMO, these are all the things that kind of gave me a bit of anxiety throughout my career so far. And um, it's definitely come to a climatic point in my life where I just had to leave it all for a bit and come home and just sit for six months and not, do anything about it um but the thing that actually helps me and I don't know if it sounds too spiritual is like I meditate every morning 20 minutes and it makes me so much happier Mm. and I can feel myself when I start to get to those anxiety stress points um so yeah it's just meditation and remembering that it's all what we do is so small and we we take everything so personally because everything's judging judgy judgy how do you look when you dance how do you look when you model Mm. it's just like not it's fun but it's not that important yeah yeah Yeah, Mm. I love that I love that answer and um at first and foremost there's no such thing as being too spiritual I know there isn't right there isn't I don't think and I feel like um uh, I'm so happy that you know yourself well enough to to know, oh, okay, I need six months out, <laughs> you know, and I need to go home and reconnect with my family or who I really am, that other thing, because I feel like so many people um, in, in this industry don't even know themselves well enough to know that that's what they need. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's when we lose people. Um, and I've lost way too many people uh, to count um, to live and work in, in this industry. So, like, I love that um, you know yourself well enough to know that that's what you need. I know I, I, I'm such a big advocate for meditation too. And and I, I'm not, if I don't meditate in the morning, like, forget about it. <laughs> Literally, it's the point now where I know if I, if I don't meditate, there's no point. <laughs> get my day done and I think um, meditation is different for everyone I think that's this other thing too like people think like meditation is like this home like <laughs> yeah. 
stay still as possible. <laughs> but like for me, like even just like putting a song on and moving around a little bit in the morning, like that's meditation for me. Um, writing, I love to write, you know, um, that's meditation for me. I've also found like um, some amazing uh, teachers and mentors who um, have really helped me with my spiritual path and um, the, you know, getting on that road and, um, or actually remind me after this to like link you up with like just uh, this person who I think you will love who's amazing in Hawaii. Um, oh. Toby. But she's all about like um, looking after yourself spiritually, but also decolonizing the idea of spirituality. Ooh. Yeah. She works with like a lot of indigenous modalities and all that type of thing. Anyway, I've totally digressed. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Please send me the link. I'll link you up. But um, I think it's such a beautiful uh, place to bring this to a little bit of a close. I've got one more question um, before we go. But um, I I just want to thank you for like, I feel like that answer that you gave just then will help so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, that's really important too. Um, so I want to thank you for that. And it's a good segue into our very last question. Okay? Mm-hmm. Which is, um, what advice would you give little Sophia coming up in the world and in this industry and all that type of thing? What advice would you give to them knowing what you now know now? I wouldn't give them any advice because I would, I needed all of this to be who I am now. Never give myself any more advice. You know, I like, I learned so much from my mistakes and I like my mistakes. Like when I did go and sit at home for six months, Mm. I I made a vision board. I didn't, I probably saw someone every three weeks. It was like my own. I mean, I don't, I'm, it was like my own self-isolation. There was no COVID. I wasn't forced in my room, but that's what I did. I was so down. Um, you could say depressed, but I like, I, this was, I, I decided to start fresh, make new goals. I'm like, I'm going to be a model. I'm going to start acting. I'm going to do that. And it was, it was looking back in hindsight, probably the biggest blessing of my life one of you know um but yeah i wouldn't give myself any advice i fucking love that answer so much (laughs) i love it so much and um i i just think it's the perfect place to wrap this up thank you so so much for being so open and honest and generous um and inspirational actually which is why i knew i needed to have you here Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Like this has been, every time I speak to you, it's like a massive weight off my shoulders because you understand and there is other people like me. And so I thank you so much as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can find a list of episode notes and links on delvingintodance.com. We can also find a large archive of previous episodes, including... Well, the list is too long. You'll just need to 
log on and have a little look for yourself. This project relies on listener contributions and you can contribute on the website. It also relies on the support of Victorian government through Creative Victoria and the Australian government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body. So, advisory bodies, keep the coins coming. This has been Samuel Gaskin. Peace.